0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. This is our Tuesday edition of week 14, uh, January 17th of 2023. Uh, For the show, I'm running solo as I usually have on Tuesdays. But as I mentioned last time, I am looking into trying to add another co-host or two to our, uh, our rotating cast. So stay tuned for that. Also, real quick, before we get started, I'll just plug the Instagram account that we started just last week. It's Crossover Across Time, all one word on that account. We post uh, a lot of stuff related to the show itself uh, as far as you know, weekly MVP winners, power rankings, predictions, things like that. But uh, we've also uh, tried to, I, I need to get the account caught up a little bit, but uh, like and you know share content from all the nba teams as well as nba history related uh things so definitely <clears throat> follow that account if you want to stay up to date on the show as well as uh just what's going on in the nba in general but um of course the show itself is a great way to to stay up to date on what's going on in the nba and we're going to do that right now starting of course with our game summaries from last night's action so this is uh last night monday january 16th uh, we had a nine game set of action And we'll just start right at the top. The Celtics in Charlotte against the Hornets. And uh, Jason Tatum gets it done for Boston. They've won their – that's their seventh straight win, 130 to 118 in Charlotte. And Tatum scores 51 on his own. Celtics led big throughout this game. Not much of a contest. Um, Yeah, 51 points, nine rebounds, five assists for Jason Tatum. Great percentages really led the charge, especially – uh, now that this is their probably third or fourth game without Jalen Brown, you know, he's been able to step up and help them continue to win. Uh, he also got 19 points from Derek White starting in place of Jalen Brown, uh, 16 off the bench from Malcolm Brogdon. Meanwhile for Charlotte, their starters all played a solid game. I mean, they had 26 points from Jalen McDaniels, 25 from LaMelo Ball, uh, 19 points, 12 boards for Mason Plumlee. And the other two starters also scored in double figures, but uh, those 51 points from Tatum were a little bit hard to overcome as Boston picked up the win. Again, they're seventh straight. They're on a roll. They continue to to be potentially the top team in the NBA, certainly in that top five conversation. Uh, they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. Next, the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis. They take care of business at home against the Indiana Pacers, uh, 119 to 132. Uh, Jan- uh, excuse me, Drew Holiday had a nice game in this one. Uh, and Indiana held a big lead through much of the second and third quarter, but then Milwaukee went on a fourth quarter tear and they were able to defend home court, uh, escape with the victory for Indiana. They were led by miles Turner's 30 points and eight rebounds. Um, they also had 29 from TJ McConnell off the bench. He had a fantastic game, 29 points, nine assists and three steals in 31 minutes off the bench uh 12 points for master as well 18 for buddy healed however uh milwaukee were, was led by 35 points 11 assists from drew holiday great game from him uh pseudo vintage game he's still a productive player but he is starting to hit that downturn i guess you could say but he's still a great player for milwaukee uh 21 points 11 rebounds for bobby portis starting in place of Giannis. Uh, 19 points from Brooke Lopez and 17 points for Grayson Allen, along with 14 from Jordan Nora off the bench, and Milwaukee gets the home court victory. Next, the Cleveland Cavaliers, similar approach here. They win at home against the New Orleans Pelicans, 113-103. to 103. Um, And this one was pretty competitive as well. New Orleans held big leads, at pretty much the same thing. Second and third quarters they dominated, but then Cleveland ran away with it in the fourth uh, for New Orleans, they're still without uh, Zion and Brandon Ingram. They've been out for you know several weeks. Hopefully they're able to return some point soon for them. Regardless, uh, they were led by C.J. McCollum's 25 points, and they had 22 points and 13 rebounds from Jonas Valanciunas, along with 17 points from Trey Murphy and two other scorers in double figures. However, Cleveland, uh, their starters just a little bit better, 30 points, 11 assists for Darius Garland. 24 points, 11 rebounds for Jarrett Allen and uh, 19 points for Evan Mobley as well. Okoro and Mitchell also scored 11 each and Cleveland comes out on top in that one. Next, this one was an overtime affair in Madison Square Garden uh, and the New York Knicks lose a heartbreaker against the Toronto Raptors. Um, And we look at the, the flow of the game. Yeah, Toronto held a big lead in the first half. New York took big leads into the fourth quarter, third quarter and fourth quarter. But then Toronto uh, manages to tie it up, force overtime, and Toronto kind of runs away with it in overtime. For New York, they continue to have strong games from Jalen Brunson. He had 26 points, seven rebounds. Randall, nice as well, 21 points, 15 rebounds. The leading scorer, R.J. Barrett, 32 points, seven rebounds, as he's made his return to the starting lineup for them. They had three other scorers in double figures, but for the Raptors, uh, Fred Van Vliet, last year's all-star, he continued to have, um, well, he hasn't maybe been as stellar as last year, but he had a great game here, 33 points, eight assists, uh, five rebounds, two steals and two blocks. Great all-around game from Van Vliet. they um, also had 26 points from Scotty Barnes, 20 points, eight rebounds, nine assists for Pascal Siakam. Uh, and, 18 as well from Gary Trent Jr. And the Raptors are able to to rally and, and win that one. So big win for Toronto. <clears throat> Next, Golden State Warriors win on the road in Washington against the Wizards, 127 to 118. Uh, and Steph Curry has a really nice game. It was pretty back and forth throughout, but Golden State comes out on top for Washington. They were led by Porzingis, 32 points, five rebounds, three assists, 16 points, 11 boards for Kyle Kuzma. 17 points, 10 assists for Monte Morris, uh, 16 off the bench for Hachimura, and 14 points for Gafford as well. Uh, But for the Warriors, yes, Steph Curry, 41 points, led the charge, got the job done for them in Washington. Uh, He also had 32 points from Jordan Poole, those two starting at the guards. Uh, Clay Thompson did not play in this game. He also had 17 points, 10 assists from Draymond Green, along with three steals. 14 points from Andrew Wiggins and two other doubles figure scorers off the bench, and they overpower the Wizards in Washington. Next, the Atlanta Hawks win at home against the Miami Heat, 121 to 113. DeJounte Murray and Trey Young have strong games, and they never trailed in this game. They had big leads going into half. The lead was closed a bit, but they still managed to control this one beginning to end uh, for the most part. Miami was led by Jimmy Butler. He had 34 points in this game, two steals and a block as well. Nice defensive numbers. 20 points, 13 boards for Bam Adebayo. Three steals and three blocks, even better defensively, uh, what you'd kind of expect from those two players. But otherwise, they needed a, maybe a little bit more help. Ten assists from Moladipo off the bench was nice, but uh, only three other double-figure scores. Meanwhile, for Atlanta, uh, Trey Young, 24 points, eight assists. Uh, 10 turnovers but they're able to overcome that uh 28 points seven assists for Dejounte murray uh 15 for deandre hunter 14 for john collins and 12 each from capella and a.j griffin coming off of the bench and atlanta able to get the win against miami at home next uh a good one for me here the jazz uh able to win in Minnesota. Utah Jazz win in Minnesota against the Timberwolves 126 to 125, a very close game. And it's interesting of course the Gobert storyline is, you know, notable there, the Jazz playing in Minnesota against their former uh all-star defensive player of the year cornerstone center, but their rookie center that they got back in the trade uh that Minnesota had drafted, Walker Kessler, he has a huge game in this one. Again, it was a uh, You know, pretty back-and-forth game, although Minnesota held bigger leads throughout the game. Uh, But Utah comes up clutch at the end. For Minnesota, they had 29 points from Anthony Edwards, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 steals as well. Nice game from him. 13 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists for Kyle Anderson. Nice triple-double. Gobert, 2 points, 1 rebound, and no other stats. Kind of shocking, although he did leave 4 minutes into the game. I have to imagine... Uh, there was some sort of an injury. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look into this, see if there was a uh, injury for Rudy Gobert. Again, he only played just under five minutes uh, in this game. Um, yes, lingering injuries. Um, trying to see what it is. Right groin, yeah. And I think I had that same question last time uh yeah he only played a few minutes so they you know probably could have been a big factor uh but they had 21 points from d'angelo russell nice game for him they had three other double figure scorers off the bench but for the jazz yes walker kessler mentioned him 20 points 21 rebounds career night for him his young career he continues to get better and better every night uh he would at the very least i would think be a good candidate for an all rookie first team guy uh he's been tremendous for them two blocks as well um the other starters all scored in double figures, 21 points for Clarkson. He led the way in scoring. They were without uh, marketing in this game. I think he's missed a couple games with injury. Um, but they had 19 for Colin Sexton and 17 for Ochai baji both coming off the bench. Uh, nice games from them. Again, the rest of the starters scored in double figures, and Utah, nice, well-rounded scoring effort uh, fuels a comeback victory. So great win for them. Couple more games to talk about. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies throttle the Phoenix Suns at home 136 to 106. Uh, their 10th straight victory in Memphis. They're just rolling. And especially in the second half in this game, they just rolled to a, a huge win against Phoenix. Uh, for the Suns, they again are without Devin Booker, without Chris Ball. They are banged up, trying to make it work. Um, Mikhail Bridges led the way, 21 points and seven assists for him. 18 points for DeAndre Ayton and 12 points for Dario Saric. 10 points from Saban Lee off the bench. Um, Those are their big scores. Meanwhile, for Memphis, 29 for John Morant and 28 for Desmond Bain. That backcourt continues to be dynamic. 18 points, eight rebounds, six blocks for Jaron Jackson. Defensively, he's been stellar. And three other double-figure scores off the bench as Memphis gets an easy win um, against the Suns. And finally, the Los Angeles Lakers defend home court against the Houston Rockets, 140 to 132. And LeBron has a big game in this one. Uh, yeah, Lakers controlled it pretty thoroughly throughout. Not not a huge contest here. For Houston, their starters played fairly well. I mean, uh, 33 points, 15 rebounds from Shane Goon and four blocks. He continues to be very impressive in his sophomore season. 23 points from Jalen Green, although his percentages were not quite that stellar. 19 for Eric Gordon, along with eight assists, 17 for Kenyon Martin Jr., and 14 for Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, For the Lakers, LeBron, as we mentioned, great game, 48 points, eight rebounds, nine assists. He continues to be even better scoring the ball as he gets closer and closer to the uh, landmark of Kareem's uh, career scoring mark. Uh, That's kind of the main storyline for the Lakers this season is LeBron's pursuit of that record. They had 24 points off the bench from Russell Westbrook. He continues to be great off the bench for them. Uh, 15 for Kendrick Nunn, 14 for Wenyan Gabriel, and 11 for Patrick Beverly. And uh, LeBron's 48 combined with some nice bench performances, just a little bit too much for the Rockets. Kind of a fun side note from this one. There's a great soundbite from Jabari Smith Jr. uh, who was mic'd up. He said to LeBron, hey, you played against my dad uh, your first game in the NBA. Of course, Brown's first game, the Cavs play, uh, played the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. And Jabari Smith Sr. played for the Kings at that time. And that's got to be, you know, it, it's a cool moment, but it's also like, man, I'm, I'm getting old. You know, if I'm playing against a kid who whose father I played against. And then the same thing with Kenny Martin Jr. on that same team. He played against Kenny Martin for a long time in the NBA. So, uh pretty wild stuff uh, long career for LeBron of course very uh remarkable career and he continues to inch closer to that all-time career mark and the Lakers get a win as a nice bonus on that night so that's the game summaries from the last night of action uh Monday night January 16th let's jump into our key news we don't have a bunch to talk about here uh firstly the Warriors did make their White House visit for their uh championship just this past season It's notable because they did not, uh, they chose not to go to the, or they, I guess, technically, if you want to go into the semantics of it, um, Steph Curry and a few other warriors, I think, expressed interest after their, um, 2015 or 20, 2017 championship, it would have been, I think they went in 2015, um, the 2017 championship, they expressed interest in not going to the white house, um, Because they disagreed with uh, President Trump and his politics and things of that nature. Shortly after, Trump took to Twitter and said that they were not invited to the White House. So, you know, kind of some drama stuff there. But regardless, uh, the Warriors did make their visit to the White House uh, this year uh, with the new presidency. And they don't have those same uh, disagreements, I suppose. Uh, So it's a nice little trip for them. Um, For Denver... Uh, Coach Michael Malone has entered health and safety protocols. I have to imagine, you know, probably some sort of positive test or, you know, similar thing of that nature. So uh, hopefully he gets well and can get back to coaching Denver uh, pretty soon. For Brooklyn, uh, Kyrie Irving is, uh, he sat out this game with a sore calf. Tonight's game, they played against San Antonio. Um, Hopefully he's able to get back in action pretty soon. Again, he's been integral in their play this season along with Durant, who is, uh, who's, Dealing with a little more severe injury, so not great news for Brooklyn, who's still trying to be one of those top teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Next, for Dallas, uh, forward Dorian Finney-Smith and guard Josh Green are likely to return for the Mavericks tomorrow on Wednesday, their next game. Uh, Big news for them, those are two guys they've been without for a number of games And uh, they're solid rotational pieces for them, especially Finney Smith. Um, And so that'll be big for them to get those guys back, especially a team that's more and more kind of leaning heavily on uh, Luca's shoulders. Um, So it'll be great, you know, for Dallas sake, get those guys back. Uh, And then a few small transactional notes. Firstly, uh, the Wizards wave guard Devin Dotson or Devon Dotson. Uh, He was on a two way contract. The Raptors have re-signed guard forward Joe Weiskamp uh, to another 10-day contract, and the Hawks have signed guard Donovan Williams to a two-way contract, and uh, those are the main transactions from this day, uh, January 17th. So, that takes care of our game summaries, and then now our news is taken care of. Let's jump into uh, the rest of what we have kind of planned for this show, and it'll be a little bit of a shorter show. Uh, Our Tuesday show, we usually focus on the award chases and where those are at. Um, As far as, you know, MVP, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, the big ones, I don't think much has changed. And we can kind of look into, you know, and glance at maybe what uh, the recent posts on the NBA's website, Uh, Steve Ashburner, you know, a guy that continually updates these things along with some of their other writers uh, he has some updates on defensive player ladder where he and the NBA kind of see the leaders at this moment. John or J- Jaron Jackson, excuse me, not John Morant, but John Morant's team, his teammate Jared Jackson, uh, kind of up there at the top. He's one of the best rim protectors by far in the NBA. I'm sure both by total blocks and as well as like you know percentages inside. But then the same thing with Burke Lopez; they have him number two. Those two guys are probably your front others. At this point, Nick Claxton's had a, a nice season so far from Brooklyn. Um, he's also up there as far as uh, blocks per game, total blocks. So uh, this season, it seems like rim protectors are kind of the, the name of the game as far as defensive player contenders. Bam Adebayo is another name you can throw in there. Jarrett Allen, Joel Embiid, Miles Turner. A lot of these names are big uh, rim-protecting guys. You have a couple you know, wing guys who are – in that conversation as well, like OG Ananobi. But um, so far, it's really the bigs that are kind of dominating that defensive player conversation. Um, there's a piece from Sean Powell. He mentioned he kind of breaks down the clutch player ladder because that's the new award this season, the Jerry West Clutch Player of the Year. Um, he mentioned some names like De'Aaron Fox, Luka Doncic, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Donovan Mitchell, just as far as, you know, obviously they've had great individual seasons, but also those game winning uh game ceiling type moments not always just game winning shots but game winning plays steals and and rebounds free throws things like that so um you know a lot of stats to break that down and exactly you know rankings as far as um you know clutch statistics i think those are specified as in you know either fourth quarter or last uh you know x minutes of fourth quarter but um kind of fun to see them having a little more in-depth conversation about that clutch player award. I'm curious to see over time how valued that award will be, or if it will be seen as more of a novelty award, like the hustle award has been. Um, But it'll be interesting to see. I think it could go both ways. Um Yeah. So that, and then the MVP is pretty similar to where it was before. I mean, Tatum, Jokic, Doncic, those are kind of your big names. Durant takes a hit because of the injuries. Uh, or the injury singular that he's dealing with at the moment. Um, Rookie of the Year, I'd still say Bancaro. And outside of that, there hasn't been too much difference. So I thought we'd shift it a little bit and talk more about All-Star, which fits in that same category, the awards and uh, player recognition. And I thought I would share – I just kind of did this uh, off the cuff one day. I was thinking about it. I'm like, it would be interesting to – try and predict and see what players I think would be selected. Um, maybe I'll you suggest the other guys do this and we can kind of compare in a, a future episode, what they think. Um, but especially with the deadline for fan voting coming up this Saturday, I think it's especially um, pertinent to maybe discuss this. So my predictions, as far as who I think will get picked and keep in mind the, um, the starters, you know, the, the, let me clarify the the draft idea that's been implemented within the last five or six seasons, that is unique, but the players positions, number of players conferences, that is actually still intact from before this whole draft process. Of course, when they play the game nowadays, it's not East versus West. It's team LeBron versus team Giannis or team Durant or team Curry, whoever it is, right? Team Stefan. Um, But the the selection process for players is still the same. It's still 12 from the East, 12 from the West, and then they're drafted from that selection. So we can still follow the traditional rules for that set of just picking who would be the players for each conference that would then be put into a pool for the drafting. So the players, I think, would be out of the East, and the bonus is the coach. I think Joe Missoula would probably be the coach for the Eastern Conference, Um, especially because, like, the Celtics wouldn't be disqualified. There's this rule where if you coached in the All-Star Game last season, you're not able to coach the next season because there's a string or a run where Pat Riley coached like eight of eight of the ten playoff games in a certain span. So like we got to give other coaches a chance. So if you coach the, the All-Star game the previous year, it goes to the next best record in the the conference. But um by this point last year the celtics were kind of like a low team in the conference so even if there was a technicality with the celtics coach um it wouldn't matter so i think joe Mazzulla will be the coach in the east in the west i'd have to think um michael malone although i don't remember who coached no it would have been monty williams last year because the south Celt- the suns had the best the best record in the nba i believe uh so yeah, it would be it should be Michael Malone, I think, in the West and East Joe Missoula. Although Taylor Jenkins is certainly making a run in the West. Um, as far as players in the East, I would pick probably Kyrie Irving and, and Donovan Mitchell as guards, the starting guards. And then the four the front court would be Tatum, Durant and and Bede. And I think that would probably be pretty clear cut. Giannis gets you know, forced to be a reserve in that scenario. But as far as this season, team impact and those players individually, what they've been able to do, those would probably be the the picks for me as far as starters. Then off the bench, then you have Giannis, of course, joined by Pascal Siakam and Jalen Brown, I would say, as that um, that front court group. And then the back. Backup guards, Trey Young, Zach Levine, and then the two others, because you have twelve total, would be Jalen Brunson and DeMar DeRozan. That's how I'd have it. I have a flex position. Like if there was, you know, an injury and they needed a sub as far as you know Durant being injured, then maybe Julius Randle's able to get in at that point. Um, and of course, there's there have been years where there's been four guys that are injured. So four other names get selected as all stars. And so um you never know. I, it it for our purposes, we got to have at least one potential sub in each conference, I think, uh, for potential injuries. In the West, I think it'd be pretty clear cut. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic as your starters. Yeah. Maybe you have Morant instead of Curry uh, as your starters for the guards. Um, but I think the fan vote would definitely kind of aid Curry as far as maybe still locking in that starting spot. And in the front court, LeBron, and I will say, I think the West front court is a little thin as far as what we typically think of as all stars. I think LeBron and Jokic are obviously clear cut guys in the West front court. And then after that, you know, maybe uh, is where it starts to get a little bit thin. I think Sabonis would be a great pick uh, if you're going to, you know, really be strict about it. What they maybe could do is consider Luka a front court guy because he has played small forward. And more of a wing position in the past, they could maybe stretch that. So you have Doncic, LeBron, and Jokic, and then Curry and Morant as your starters. Uh, that might be a little bit tricky, but regardless, we have LeBron, Jokic, and then I think Sabonis, if we're going strictly front court, he would be the next guy to get that starting spot. And especially with the way the Kings have been playing this season and the way he's playing, uh, I think it would be well deserved. Off the bench, those next three front court guys, again, I think the West front court uh, names are a bit thin, and so it makes it a bit tricky here. But the three I picked would be Lowry, Markinen, Jeremy Grant, and Christian Wood. And again, those three are not, you know, quite playing near at what the the East front court reserves would be as far as Jalen Brown, Siakam, especially Giannis. But sometimes that's just kind of the roll of the dice. And again, the system is still in place. It's the same structure that you have to have a certain number from the east, a certain number from the west, a certain number of each position player. So I think there will be maybe one or two names in the west that get spots that will be kind of surprising for people. Maybe like a you know Jeremy Grant or Christian Wood. But that's just kind of how how things go, I suppose. But then the guards will still be strong. In the West, John Morant, Shea Gilders Alexander. I think he's an easy pick for a first-time All-Star. And then, you know, those last few guys, I would go front court heavy, excuse me, back court heavy with Lillard and De'Aaron Fox. I think those would be two other great picks. Excuse me. Lillard Lillard having a great individual season. Fox also great individually, but his team is playing well. And then a an injury. Reserve pick would maybe be an Anthony Edwards. as a potential first-time first All-Star there. But those are kind of my thoughts as where I think, for the most part, the All-Star uh, picks will end up, specifically like reserves and starters. Um, you know, I think the first-time guys should be Jalen Brunson and um, – Shake Elder's Alexander, I think those two would be very solid picks, and potentially Lowry Markenden as well, like those three guys as your kind of first-time all-stars. Um and then maybe, you know, if like I'm saying that West Court West West Western Conference front court, excuse me, is thin, kind of like it's it's appearing, then maybe you get your Jeremy Grant or your Christian Wood that kind of slips into the game. Uh, simply because of the way the rosters are set up. But anyways, just thought I'd share that real quick. Those are my thoughts. Again, I am I might share this with the other co-hosts, uh, see if we want to compare, contrast, see what we're thinking as far as um, each of our individual all-star predictions. But Um, That kind of takes care of things for as far as our award chases. We get a small update on MVP, Defense Player of the Year, things like that. But also we discuss the All-Star race, especially as it's going to be a lot more relevant in the next couple of weeks as starters are officially announced, coaches pick reserves, and then we get into the real, you know, uh, excitement of the actual All-Star weekend itself. Let's go ahead and talk uh, our This Day in History fact before we wrap things up. So this day in history, January 17th, we're going uh, pretty far back, back to 1961. So January 17th of 1961, the Cincinnati Royals 22-year-old rookie sensation, Oscar Robertson, became the youngest player to receive All-Star MVP honors. Robertson scored 23 points and handed out 11 assists in a 153-131 to victory for the West at Syracuse. So one of the great players in NBA history history Oscar Robertson got his first All-Star MVP at 22 years old which is pretty remarkable even even in a league that was still growing and and pretty young that's pretty sensational and and no one ever has ever you know beat that mark or at least it seems that this is a still uh established record i don't think this record's been broken but um regardless yeah great stuff great player and uh and cool to flash back you know how many people realize that the uh the philadelphia 76ers actually started in syracuse as the syracuse nationals won a championship there before they moved to philadelphia and won their first philadelphia championship with uh will chamberlain but regardless uh that takes care of our this day in history fact uh once again thanks for listening to the show we we really appreciate it we'll be back tomorrow with justin uh hopefully with improved internet i think he's been working on that hopefully it's a you know a lot more functional and it cooperates with him better than it did last time. But regardless, we'll be back tomorrow with Justin uh, talking about our usual Wednesday stuff. Of course, we'll do our predictions. But I think we'll have a lot more to dive into as far as um, rumor mills, specifically trade deadline type conversations. Uh, I found a great piece, a great couple of pieces from ESPN and some other websites that I think we can really dive into and discuss as a trade deadline comes up, what teams will be looking to do as far as moves to help them in either the you know the playoff chase or now that they're in a position where they're not as competitive as maybe they thought they'd be do they make a move the other way do they start to kind of strip it down move towards a rebuild Um, but we'll talk about that on wednesday along with our predictions uh, with justin so stay tuned for that and we'll be back soon